Hey there, Leah Ryan here. Welcome to episode 9 of the Authors Read podcast. Today's author is Matt Brandt, and he'll read from his book, The Boy from the Forge. The Boy from the Forge by Matt Brandt. Chapter 1. We're going to a junior's party, Max said into the cold night air on Friday, pedaling close behind Dell's bike as it wound through the neighborhoods of New Athens. Yeah, Annika and Letty are going to be there, Dell called back. It's the cast party for Streetcar Named Desire. Don't worry, even a couple of freshmen are going. The two stood up, pumping on their pedals to ascend a hill, bare knuckles tight on the bike's handlebars, shoulder to shoulder, the front wheels alternating the lead position. Annika and Blake broke up. She and I have been hanging out. Hanging out? Since when? Max said between breaths. I mean at school. You know her? I know who she is. I never met her. She played Stella in Streetcar. That's her? She's hot, isn't she? What's she like? That's what I'm hoping to find out firsthand, if you know what I mean. The New Athens River careened alongside them, its tree-lined banks and solid green cattails weaving across the shallow, soggy marshes. Spring brought back with it glossy, green-headed mallards and black ducks. Soon, the frogs and fireflies would join the ducks in their parkway home. Max inhaled the deep air as it whipped by his face. He wondered if this night was going to be one of those nights that ended with him and Dell out of breath, hearts pounding, laughing so hard their stomachs would hurt. They pedaled on farther across an arched stone bridge, its abutments, walls, and buttresses built with hand-tool precision, crowned with a signature chiseled keystone. Below, in the shadow of the trees, above the gurgling water, A feathered wildcat owl listened and watched the riverbank from its perch in the solitary elm, among the maple, ash, and the willows. New Athens was settled by wheat farmers and orchard growers, with an exodus of European immigrants in the mid and late 1800s. The nearby city of Milltown, with its bustling harbor on Lake Michigan, became a Midwestern industrial powerhouse. New Athens became a bedroom community for Milltown's workers. Dell moved to New Athens when the two started sixth grade. Sitting in science class, Max had overheard a new voice with a rural southern accent entertaining some kids in the row behind him. Max turned around to see Dell on the edge of his chair, his left elbow on his leg, his right hand resting on the other knee. He smiled with confidence as he delivered the punchline of his joke, and the kids sitting around him laughed, slapping their legs. As Max watched Dell, saw the others listening and laughing together, Dell looked over at Max. They acknowledged the other with a short nod of the head. With this simple gesture, a wordless introduction between 12-year-olds, the two became friends. Since that day, Dell and Max did everything together, bought the same bikes, wore the same clothes, and competed with one another as best friends do, often do helping each other get better as they did. While most kids waited for their hormones to get them into action, Dell was already telling stories about men and women and what they did in private. He didn't have any actual experience with girls, and he wasn't trying to convince anyone he did back then. But Dell told plenty of adult-rated stories to satisfy the sixth-grade boys all trying to figure out the physical puzzle of how two bodies fit together. It seemed like he spoke a strange new language. Dell rode up on the sidewalk, cut a sharp left, and fishtailed his rear wheel over the gravel-covered alley leading to his house. 
Lewis doesn't know we're going to Sandy's house. So if we see him, don't let him know where we're going. He thinks we're going to be at the rec center. Is there going to be beer there? Max asked, following Dell's spinning rear wheel as they sped down the alley. Yeah, give your money to Sandy. I'll give her two more bucks and we should be good. Max thought about what his father, Eddie, had said earlier in the night. That money just burns a hole right through your pocket, doesn't it? You two ever think of saving any of it? Over two dollars. Well, tonight we need it, Mr. K, Dell had responded. He negotiated arguments with grown-ups better than they could with one another. Dell turned into his driveway from the alley. Let's ditch our bikes next to the garage and walk to Sandy's. Lay it down on the grass so it doesn't make any noise. Let's get out of here. I do not want to talk to Lewis. As they left again on foot, turning the corner with Dell's house out of sight, they exhaled with relief. Dell's father, Lewis, had been a child during the toughest years of the Great Depression, as had been Eddie. Both men started work young, and from there, their intense disciplinary attitudes grew, which later would shape the inner framework of Dell and Max. Using what they had learned, right or wrong from their own parents, both men raised their families with an iron fist, bent on doing what it takes to survive tough times, prepared to soldier through any economic hardship dished out to them and working people. They lessened their children on the risk of losing everything if they didn't work hard. They would say danger was waiting for them right around the corner if they weren't careful. Lewis and Eddie had been schooled, with the help of their father's leather belt, of the sacrifices their ancestors had made to leave their home country, how as immigrants they had risked everything so the future generations might have a better quality of life. In that familial tradition, Lewis and Eddie hammered the same messages, the same patterns into Dell and Max as their minds and bodies grew. This internal shared fabric, forged and shaped by the hands and words of Lewis and Eddie, bonded Dell and Max together deep in their core. Best friends become allies, partners in solidarity to these learned patterns of behavior, to these methods of raising children passed down the generations. It never occurred to Lewis and Eddie to try and explain how much they loved their children any other way. Dell led Max on a shortcut through the backyards. Once we get our licenses, we got to get a car. We should start checking the classifieds for junkers, Dell said. They were finishing driver's education that semester. My brother Johnny found this fixer-upper in the paper one time. The thing didn't even need that much work. I couldn't believe he got it for only $300, Max said, zipping up his jacket, making sure the dollar bills were still in his pocket. Dell's eyes lit up. $300? I can do $300, no problem. It's going to be sweet. We can go wherever we want to go. Man, we should go comp camping out at Governor Dodge this summer, just you and me. We hang out at the beach, check out the ladies. Maybe we meet a couple of them. They meet us at our campsite at night. You know what I'm saying, Dell said. Both ran the fantasy through their minds. Definitely, Max said. We bring a bunch of blankets. We get a nice fire going. Jesus, that would be cool. Man, we got to get a car soon. Can you imagine, Max said. Their minds exploded as they ran the different, albeit untested, fooling around with a girl's scenarios through their heads, starting with the basic stuff and then working their way around the bases. They continued down the street to Sandy's house, not talking, 
obsessed with the possibilities of what could happen on such a camping trip. That night above New Athens, as Dell and Max walked to the party, the Big Dipper hung aloft, pointing a bright, shimmering path to the North Star. Clean, flat puddles of water covered the ground. The smell of wet grass, having been cut for the first time, filled their noses. The two friends walked together down the middle of the street. Their minds stretched out, filled the larger space of their near-adult-sized bodies. Music could be heard coming from Sandy's backyard. Max sniffed. Are you wearing cologne or something? It's musk, baby, Dell said. He grinned. Man, that stuff's strong, Max said, waving his hand in front of his nose. They followed the voices coming from around back. There they are, over there, Dell said. He pointed his finger with a bend of his elbow. They wound themselves through the groups of students gathered in the backyard. Max noticed Annika right away. She stood out from the group with a radiant and natural posture. She held her shoulders straight while she talked to Letty next to a giant magnolia tree, its pink and white blossoms clinging to its branches. Her body wasn't quite yet a woman's body, but it was close enough. Max remembered how she led the audience not only with the lines of the script, but with physical presence and nuance as Stella. So this is Max, Letty said, holding out her open hands as Dell and Max walked up to Letty, to Annika and Letty. Didn't you go out with Shanna Oaks one time, Annika said. That was when we came up with the direct approach method. How'd you know that anyway, Max said, looking at Annika. He noticed how Annika stood up straight, but she didn't look uncomfortable. The direct approach method, Annika said with a steady turn of the wrist, cigarette in hand. Take the bull by the horns, baby, Dell interjected, grabbing the imaginary horns with both hands, grinning. It's about saying what's on your mind. It's about taking action instead of waiting for something to happen, Max said. What do you mean, Letty said. Back in junior high, at the rec center one time, we were talking about how we knew everyone there wanted to make out with somebody, but nobody had the guts to do anything about it. What if people said what they were thinking, Max said. I don't know, Letty said, scrunching up her nose. Well, they dared me to try it on Shanna because I liked her. He did it all right, Dell said, on his way to the keg. What happened? Annika said. As it turned out, it's the only time I ever used the direct approach, and it worked. I walked right up to Shanna, told her I liked her, and asked if she wanted to make out behind the trees after dark. What'd she say? Letty said. What do you think? Max said, lifting an open hand. I would have done the same thing, Annika said. So what, Letty said, we're supposed to say out loud everything to everybody, good and bad? Obviously, there are exceptions, Max said, but if someone is your friend, then you should be able to talk about anything. I think it's only human nature after you get knocked down a couple of times, you're going to protect yourself. You've got to take your lumps, but you can't live under a shell either, Annika said. She spoke with authority. Some people are not nice. You can't trust everyone you meet, Letty said. Uh, you can trust me, baby, Dell said, handing Max a cup of foamy beer and sipping his own. He winked at Letty. Guys, guys, check it out, announced a senior coming out of the house. Louie and Gina are fooling around in a freaking closet. Why would they go in a closet, Letty said.
Sandy said no one can use the bedrooms, Annika said. Hey, Gina, have you seen my shoehorn? Dell yelled toward the house. A group of sophomores and a couple of juniors standing on the back porch laughed. I guess any place in a house is better than outside if you don't have a car, Annika said. Definitely. The ground is still soaked everywhere, Max said. But don't you think there are a lot of shoes in there, Letty said. Annika smiled at Letty. You want me to see if we can get a reservation in the laundry room later, Dell said. He looked at Annika. Yeah, right. Very funny. She rolled her eyes. Jared Jameson walked up, looking straight at Annika, ignoring everybody else in the group. Great performance on streetcar, Annika. You nailed Stella's character. Thanks, Jared. Hi, Jared, Letty said. Hi, Letty, Jared said. He gave a quick nod at Dell and Max. Hey, Annika, you want a beer? Jared asked, pointing toward the house. I, I have one, she answered, holding up her cup. Sorry to hear about you and Blake breaking up, Annika, Jared said. You need a ride home later? Max watched Dell, watching Jared. Uh, no thanks, Letty and I drove. Wait a while. Take it easy. Have an old 48, Dell interjected, drawling out the words, singing them like an advertising slogan, lifting his hands, pointing his cup of old 48 beer skyward. Yeah. Wait a while, have an old 48, Letty repeated with the same slow delivery, imitating Dell. As a matter of fact, I think I will, Dell said. He took a drink from his cup, and the group laughed a little. They repeated the phrase, Wait a while, take it easy, have an old 48. They laughed again. Jared feigned a smile, nodded goodbye, and walked away. You should join the theater group, Letty said to Max. I'm not much into acting. I'm not either. I mean the production crew. It's a lot of fun, Letty said. You should, man, Dell said, pointing his beer at Max. When the party wound down, the four made their way through the house. Hundreds of muddy footprints ran back and forth over the carpet. Plastic cups covered the countertops. A few rolled around on the floor. A couple twisted back and forth in the corner of the hallway as they kissed. They made their way out the front door on the way to Letty's car. In the front yard, Tommy Kiefer sat on the ground, his back against the wide base of a tree, swishing and swaying left and right, mumbling an incomprehensible monologue to himself. Mop the deck, matey! Mop the frickin' deck! Tommy yelled, swinging his cup in his hand, the beer splashing out. Max stopped for a moment, saying, Hey, Tommy, how's it going? Tommy swung his head upward, his eyes glassy, trying to focus on Max. Skinny, skinny, Tommy yelled. The four looked at one another and smiled. Mop the deck, Tommy wailed as they continue on toward Letty's car. Conversation flowed easily on the drive to Dell's house where Letty had dropped off Max and Dell with the four agreeing to hang out again soon. Later in Dell's bedroom, Dell reclined in his bed, staring at the ceiling. Max switched off the light and stretched out on a sleeping bag on the floor. Did you see Annika die? Is she a babe or what? Dell said. Can you imagine? I can imagine, Max said, nodding. Did you see Jared Jameson trying to make a move on Annika? What a joke, Dell said. Jared Jameson, Max said. Overpronouncing both J's and Jared's name. 
I can tell she doesn't like Jared. I would know if she liked someone, Del said. He definitely likes her. We should stay at your house more often. I like sleeping here. It's better, Max said. Are you kidding me? You're the one who's got it made. Your parents are never around. They don't care what you do. You get to do whatever you want. We should stay at your house. You never get grounded or anything. I guess. Hey, you should join the production crew. We could all go out after rehearsals and stuff. Annika and Letty are already talking about college. Weird. This is it for them. Next time this year, they'll be graduating and we'll be seniors, Dell said. <laughs> it's weird, all right. I have no idea what I'm going to do, and I sure don't know how I'm supposed to pay for college. Here's what we're not going to do, Dell said, his voice more serious. We are not going to fuck up and become losers. It's bad habits that kill people. We can't pick up any bad habits. If one of us starts doing something the other knows is not a good idea, we have to tell the other before it's too late. We should only drink when we're together, Max said. You're right. If one of us gets wasted, the other has to make sure the other gets sobered up. What if we like it too much, Max said. What do you mean? I mean, some people have no problem drinking. Then some people are different when they drink. You know, we can't do that. Be different, I mean. It's cool. Beer wears off fast. Now, hard booze is different. It will mess you up. What about pot, Max said. It's got to be you and me. We got to know what it does to us. We can't start smoking around other people. They'll think we're zoners too. No matter what, we can't get busted smoking. That'll be ten times worse. You mean no wearing our jackets in class each day like Keith the Spleef? Spleef, what a piece of work, Del said. Mop the deck, Max said. Keith the Spleef, they laughed. No matter what happens, we can't change. We have to remember what it's like right now. How we think about things, I mean, Max said. We won't. Hey, good night, little buddy. Silence filled the room and Dell dropped off to sleep. Max lay there awake on the floor with Dell up in his bed a few feet away in the dark. Most of the time, he felt equal with Dell, but sometimes he didn't. Dell could sit down in front of the hardest homework, put his pen to the paper, and somehow it'd get done without any trouble at all. Around that time in his life, Max often imagined himself sitting on the middle of a teeter-totter. He saw positive things on one side and negative things on the other. Too many mistakes, Max thought, like not working hard enough in school or making bad decisions like shoplifting, and the negative side of the teeter-totter starts to drop down, and the positive things fly up and out of his reach. He sensed that for every one negative thing added to one side, it would take one or even two positive things added to the other side to balance it back out again. If he really messed up, he would fall off altogether. It didn't seem fair. Max knew, he knew deep down inside he had what it took to make something of his life. Yet he felt surrounded by invisible obstacles, strange obstacles, which he kept bumping into all the time. Problems seemed to pop up everywhere he went. Some kind of invisible weight was slowing him down. He often imagined himself dragging an anchor, but not knowing why he did. All these mysterious things kept getting in Max's way, kept him from moving forward. Max knew Dell would make it into college and get a good job someday, 
and he thought if he stayed close enough to Dell, watched Dell, did what he did, he might make it too. At least make it far enough to figure out life on his own someday. The thought provided Max some relief, some hope, and he faded off to sleep. I'd like to thank Matt for sharing his book with us today, and thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read Podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!